So, not to brag, but I'm 2-0 in the Fantasy Feast Eating League with you guys, the listeners of the awesome Fantasy Feast podcast. There's a lot of different reasons for that. One of those is Evan. One of those is just my vast knowledge. And one of those is ProFootballFocus.com. Using the promo code POD20, you save 20% for all of their fantasy football stuff with PFF Fantasy. You can optimize your draft picks, your waiver wire targets, and your daily fantasy lineups. It's awesome. Join PFF Elite for full access to the new premium stats database and green line game picks. PFF Elite gives you all the performance data you need to make winning picks all season long. Join PFF Fantasy today and prepare to win. Sign up at profootballfocus.com and use promo code POD20 to save 20% on all subscription plans. It's time to eat. Get in my belly. Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Russ Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast presented by BetOnline.ag. Use promo code PODCAST1. To get a 50% sign-up bonus today, if you have not already, betonline.ag is your online sportsbook experts. And Evan Silva is your fantasy football expert, the Roto World Superstar. I can say this, Evan, I don't say this in, in a mean way. He's got no life. Like, this is what he does. This is his life. He is obsessed. And you can tell by all of the knowledge he's about to drop on you over the next hour or so, it's unbelievable how much research you do, Evan. Check him out on Twitter as well, at Evan Silva. Here's what we do. We give you the breakdown of every relevant skill, skill position player in every game. So you know the context. You can't just look at rankings or even projected points. You need to understand the context, understand what's going on, and make decisions for yourself, and that is exactly what my man Evan Silva lets you do. I'm just a former NFL journeyman lineman that loves being 2-0 in fantasy football so far this year. Let's keep it rolling, Evan. And we'll start with the Browns and the Jets Thursday night football. So uh, the Browns host the Jets. Tyrod Taylor has taken uh, 10 sacks through two games. Um, you know, the Jets have no pass rush, though. So this sets up as a game where I think Tyrod Taylor can play well. Jets also, uh, they play a lot of man coverage. And uh, as we've gone over throughout the years, running quarterbacks can exploit man coverage because when the, the defense is in man, uh, the defenders turn their backs to the quarterback, and uh, that can create a lot of space uh, in, in the middle of the field. So, and that shows up in Tyrod Taylor. I mean, he played the Jets twice last year, and he had a good rushing production in both of them six for 35 and a touchdown, eight for 38 uh, in the next one. So, I, I do like Tyrod Taylor as, uh, as a two quarterback league starter. 
as a sort of desperation streamer, um, you know, as like a decent DFS play uh, on this one game slate. At running back, Carlos Hyde has uh, been over uh, 19 touches in each of, or been uh, 17 touches or more in each of the Browns' first two games. The Jets have played good run defense, uh, but the workload should be there. For Carlos Hyde, the, the Browns are just refusing again to use Duke Johnson. He has five and six touches through two games, and Nick Chubb has only played seven snaps. Carlos Hyde favored at home. Um, decent RB2 play, you know, not catching passes, but a decent bet for a touchdown, and then he can pay off. David Njoku, 33 scoreless yards through two games. Um you know, I think that he's he is ninth uh, in air yards among tight ends. He's just still on that tight end one fringe. Um, you know, not definitely not a confident play, but also not a terrible play. He is getting a lot of opportunity. I mean, ninth in air yards is solid, uh, and he's got 14 targets so far. If your tight end's getting seven targets a game, that's that's pretty decent. He just has yet to do anything with it, but it, it, it'll happen eventually. Jarvis Landry running 66% of his routes in the slot. He's going to square off with Buster Screen. Buster Screen, one of the worst tackling cornerbacks in the NFL. Uh, last year, missed the six most six most tackles of any cornerback in the league. And then this year, he's already missed four. Uh, and last year, he missed 10 all year, and that was six most in the league. So now he's already missed four. So he's off to a really slow start. And Albert Wilson scored a 29-yard touchdown against the – Jets last week, I thought that um, Buster's screen behind him looked real, real slow. This is a great matchup for Jarvis Landry. Um, <clears throat> the beneficiaries of no Josh Gordon are Richard Higgins and Antonio Callaway uh, rounding out the three-receiver set. Antonio Callaway reminded me, coming out of college, of Santonio Holmes. Super, super talented player. A lot of off-field issues, but we've seen him make big plays in the preseason and in uh, week two uh, where he tied the game on a 47-yard touchdown from Tyrod Taylor. I don't think he's going to get big targets necessarily, but uh, he's definitely interesting. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, in in leagues where, like, I have 20-man rosters, I definitely want to put him, at least put him on my bench and see what happens because he's got serious big playability. Shard Higgins, kind of, kind of the opposite, more of a possession guy. Uh, on the Jets side, Isaiah Crowell and Bilal Powell remain in a very even timeshare. Last week, it was Isaiah, it was uh, Bilal Powell, fifty-two percent of the snaps, forty-eight percent for Isaiah Crowell. Um, <clears throat> Isaiah Crowell got more touches, fourteen, but Bilal, and Bilal Powell only had ten. But Bilal Powell severely outgained him, caught a twenty-eight yard touchdown. Um, it's just. I think it's Bilal Powell's a decent flex play in PPR leagues. Isaiah Crowell is a touchdown or bust flex option in non-PPR, and then that's about it. You know, t- tough guys to get excited about in such an even time split. Uh, and the Browns have been pretty good in run defense again. Uh, they were number two in run defense last year, holding running backs to 3.7 yards per carry through two games. A little worried about Sam Darnold here, you know, and I th- he has definitely played well for a guy who has been you know, the the started the youngest Week One starting corner quarterback in NFL history. Um, he has played very very well in each of the Jets' first two games. 
but I, I'm a little concerned here because this Browns defensive front is nasty with Miles Garrett and Larry Ogunjobi. Uh, this is is you know one of the most talented young defensive lines in football, and the Jets really had problems protecting Sam Darnold last week against the Dolphins. Uh, and I think that the the Browns front is a lot better than the Dolphins. Sam Darnold low end <clears throat> QB two. Um, Quincy Anunua, I think, is the most confident play on the Jets. Um, <clears throat> he has team I twenty one targets so far. Next closest is Terrell Pryor at eleven. Uh, Quincy Anunua also leads the team in air yards. Um, double-digit targets in back-to-back games. Michael Thomas, Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster through two games all have had big box scores against the Browns. Robbie Anderson, uh, really tough to use right now. I mean, he's only got six targets through two games. Um, He has fewer air yards than Terrell Pryor. I mean, I think that Terrell Pryor uh, is actually just as good, if not better, of a fantasy play right now than Robbie Anderson just not getting the ball enough. And for on on uh, the one-game DFS slates, Chris Herndon is a guy to keep in mind. Neil Sterling has been the Jets' main tight end, uh, but he's out with a concussion. Chris Herndon, rookie out of the U. Uh, the U has a long history of producing very good tight ends. Chris Herndon was excellent throughout uh, OTAs and training camp when he was healthy. Uh, last week saw three targets, caught two of them for, I believe, 30 yards. Uh, he had a, a bad drop uh, that would have gone for a big play uh, late in the game and kind of almost cost the Jets the win, basically. Uh, but he's a guy to keep in mind as a sort of sleeper. We can move on to the next one. Saints, Falcons. Saints just had to put Landy Andy Levitre on IR, so they're kind of losing the war of attrition. Meanwhile, the Falcons had to put yeah. Andy Levitre on IR. They're losing the war of attrition. As for the Saints... Kind of ties into what you were just saying about the Jets-Browns. Greg Williams' defense really kept the Saints in check. I mean, they were lucky Tyrod threw that terrible pick over the middle to get more points. Greg Williams, I mean, the Browns' defense has been pretty good so far, and they did a nice job against the Saints. What do you think the Saints do against the Falcons? Well, I think this game has pretty clear shootout potential. And um, a lot of times, actually, in in recent history, these Falcons-Saints games have not lived up to their shootout potential because I think that the defenses at those times were underrated. Um, but right now the Falcons are missing so many critical players on their defense, you know, Keanu Neal and Deion, Deion, uh, Deion Jones, especially, you know, maybe two, probably two of their best three defensive players. And the Saints have not played very well defensively so far. Um, so I, I do expect this game to live up to – uh, it's shootout potential. Matt Ryan, um, you know, the Falcons kind of fixed their red zone, uh, their red zone performance last week, and that has been a, an ongoing theme uh, under Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, but they did some smarter things last week. They got the ball to guys not named Julio in the red zone, and that was good to see. That's going to, you know, make just make defenses have to account for other guys. Um, and Austin Hooper was the beneficiary of that. And uh, Cal also stepped up for a productive game. I, I don't think they were, you know, necessarily trying to chase those points in fantasy, but I think that's a very good development for Matt Ryan, who I feel very confident about uh, as a fantasy start 
this week. Tevin Coleman uh, had a bunch of chunk runs last week, finished with 125 yards on 20 touches, 64% of the snaps. He is locked in against the Saints. The Saints have been good in run defense so far, but um, you know this game's high-scoring potential, that usage, that big playability. Tevin Coleman checks every other box. Eo Smith uh, did have 10 touches last week on 30% of the snaps. I would not have expected him to get quite that much usage, uh, but they're going to try to use two backs. Edo Smith worth, worth rostering in deeper leagues. Um, Julio Jones. So, again, I think that Julio can stand to benefit from the Falcons involving guys like Austin Hooper and Calvin Ridley in the long run. Um, and I think that that can start here. Marshawn Lattimore, you know, the, the Saints' number one cornerback, has not been very good so far. Targeted eight, ten times so far, has given up eight completions, 80% completion rate for 159 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Julio has been very good against the Saints historically. Seven for 149, five for 98, seven for 96 and a touchdown. Um, those are his last three games against New Orleans. Uh, Muhammad Sanu, you know, uh, he is a guy that actually could be hurt by Austin Hooper and Calvin Ridley getting more usage. Just a touchdown or bust guy uh, has been held below 35 yards in three or four career games against the Saints since he joined the Falcons uh, a few years ago. Uh, on the other side, Drew Brees, uh, I think, is a very confident play. Um, you know, didn't wasn't terrible. He well, he dominated in week one. Wasn't terrible last week because uh, they rallied back late in the game, and he wound up finishing as a top fifteen fantasy quarterback. Um, he he has historically been very successful against uh, Dan Quinn's defense. Uh, over three hundred yards in um, four of six meetings since Dan Quinn took over. No. Keanu Neal and Deion Jones is absolutely huge, and this team's going to be throwing the football because they don't have Mark Ingram because their feature back is Alvin Kamara. He's more of a receiving-oriented back. Christian McCaffrey had, like, 14 catches last week uh, on 15 targets facing this Falcons defense that has always conceded uh, running back catches, but now he's not in as much of a position to defend uh, the you know and make tackles <clears throat> after those catches. Um, so, and that really bodes well for Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara can have another huge game, uh, as he has always want to do. Michael Thomas uh, has started off the, the wide receiver one overall. Um, has 30 targets so far, just dominating targets. That's the thing about the Saints passing offense. you got two guys at the top, Michael Thomas with 30 targets, Alvin Kamara with 18, and then there's a steep drop-off. Um Michael Thomas has been another guy has been very successful against the the Saints. Uh, scored a touchdown in three of four career meetings uh, with the Falcons. I'm sorry. Um, so you know those they have good cornerbacks in Atlanta, uh, but the Saints know how to scheme the ball to their best player. Um, Ted Ginn, you know the story is kind of just always going to be the same with him. He's not going to get a lot of volume. He can't. He is capable of ripping a big play, and that's what you're going to need. You know, for, for him to pay off. I liked Ben Watson as a sleeper. Played him in DFS last week. Gets wide open for a would-be touchdown. Drew Brees misses him. So, you know, and, and that was pretty much all she wrote. He's got nine targets. 
through two games. Um, you know, he's playing a lot, and his opportunity is okay, and this game does have high-scoring potential. So, um, you know, for people that are really f- fishing at tight end, and there are already people doing that, uh, he's definitely not the worst streamer that you could think of. We can move on to the next one. The next one, Evan, is another Sunday 1 o'clock game, and it is the Denver Broncos with Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman against the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore. Yeah, Philip Lindsay has been terrific through two games. Looks Reminds me a lot of Warwick Dunn. Um, small dude, I mean... You know, he's real, real small. Uh, he stood out quite a bit in the preseason. Um, you know, I don't think that anybody expected him to be, uh, you know, the Broncos starting running back essentially by week three. But here we are. You know, I mean, the Broncos certainly didn't. They drafted two running backs and only got him as an undrafted free agent. Um, but he has been quite a success story. First undrafted player in NFL history. Um, to have over 100 yards from scrimmage in each of his first two games. You know, he's an RB2 right now. You know, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, mince words here on calling him a flex or something. He's an RB2. He has big playability, um, and he's getting 15 to 17 touches per game, and he can get more. I mean, he's, you know, there's every reason to believe that he can get more than that because they still can weed out Devontae Booker. Devontae Booker is still playing like 25 to 33 percent of the Broncos offensive snaps but they can make it a one-two punch with just Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman and that's the way I think things are going to be trending looks like Ravens are going to be without CJ Mosley stud inside linebacker perennial pro bowler Uh, that bodes well for Philip Lindsay Royce Freeman I think is just a touchdown or bust guy right now you know not getting that heavy volume that a lot of people expected um you know, he had eight touches last week. He has one target through two games. Philip Lindsay has more fantasy value than your fourth-round pick, Royce Freeman. Um, Case Keenum, you know, he, he had a big week one in terms of fantasy production. He was a top-ten fantasy quarterback. Last week, they just left a lot of opportunities on the table, and uh, they had a, two touchdowns overturned, one to Tim Patrick, the Broncos' fourth receiver, the other one to uh, Cortland Sutton, the Broncos' third receiver. And then uh, on, a, on a separate drive earlier in the game, Case Keenum threw an interception at the one-yard line. Uh, so, you know, that's three touchdowns right there that they could have had that they did not execute. Um, I think that the, the quality of the Ravens' defense – defense right now i'm just not sure of it because it doesn't look like they're going to have cj mosley and their top cornerback jimmy smith is still out they played the the bills who were just a disaster in week one and then last week you know andy dalton carves them four touchdown passes uh tyler boyd goes off uh which bodes really really well for emmanuel sanders uh emmanuel sanders running 71 percent of his routes in the slot uh tyler boyd of course is the bengals slot receiver Tavon Young is the Ravens slot corner he's coming off a torn ACL began his uh, career in very promising fashion but you know you suffer an injury it's you know sometimes takes you a while to come back I think Emmanuel Sanders can go nuts 
against the Ravens. Demarius Thomas has been, he's really, really struggled so far. I mean, he's got 81 yards on 21 targets. Uh, he's got, he's tied for the NFL lead in drops with four. He and uh, Laquan Treadwell are leading the NFL in drop passes. Um, you know, the opportunity has been there. They're throwing the ball to him in the scoring position, so you got to stick with him in fantasy as a wide receiver three play. But I think that Emmanuel Sanders is clearly the Broncos' best option. Case Keenum has targeted uh, Emmanuel Sanders 15 times so far. Emmanuel Sanders has caught 14 of them for 231 yards. They're averaging 15.4 yards every time they just throw the ball to Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, Jake Butt got some targets last week. Um, but he's still uh, sharing time with Jeff Weirman. Uh, I think that J- Jake Butt is an, an interesting, uh, like dynasty and tight end premium guy, uh, but not quite a streamer. I, I just I want to see him playing more. On the other side, uh, the Ravens' backfield has been another even timeshare uh, between Alex Collins and Buck Allen. Now the games have been uh, influenced by. The usage has been a little influenced by the script of the games because in the first game, you know, Alex Collins had the fumble. Uh, they just wiped the floor uh, with the Bills and were able to rest starters late in the game. Uh, and then last week they were playing from behind against Cincinnati. So we, we don't have like an even script uh, sort of, uh, you know, layout to look at with the Ravens, but so far, you know, they're playing a lot of Buck Allen. I think that until we see clear evidence of separation, especially in, in a tougher matchup like this, the Broncos have been, they were lights out against the run last year. And then um, this year, they've, they've been lights out against the run so far, holding opponents to 3.68 yards per carry. Until we see clear separation, I think that Alex Collins and Buck Allen are both just flex plays. Alex Collins not getting enough targets. Um, for like a, to consider him like a high floor guy, Buck Allen is. I mean, he's got 13 targets. Alex Collins only has five. They're both just flex options. Alex Collins need, likely needs a touchdown to hit, and Buck Allen likely needs like you know four or five, six catches to hit. Uh, he also can get goal line carries. By the way, he's got more carries inside the five yard line than Alex Collins does. Uh, Joe Flacco has been productive so far. Um, you know, I, he did not play as well in the second game. And I think that he is just still, you know, kind of like a mid range to low end quarterback two, um, facing a pretty good, uh, Broncos pass defense. Michael Crabtree leads the Ravens in targets. Uh, but John Brown leads them uh, by a lot in air yards, 268 to Michael Crabtree's 164. John Brown has also commanded three red zone targets to Michael Crabtree's uh, one. Uh, so I think that John Brown, despite you know being out-targeted by two by Michael Crabtree through two games, I think that John Brown is the clear play here. Uh, he's going to be playing on the perimeter in this game. And um, Amari Cooper came alive against the Broncos' perimeter pass defense last week. Ten catches on ten targets for over 100 yards. Um, they're just not as strong as they have been in years past. You know, Aqib Talib is gone. Bradley Roby, Pac-Man Jones, and Tremaine Brock are their outside cornerbacks with Chris Harris in the slot. Uh, Willie Sneed has been surprisingly productive, I think, through two games. 
Uh, but he plays in the slot, and that's where Chris Harris roams. Don't want any part of that. Uh, we can move on to the next one. All right, the next one is the Bengals and the Panthers. Bengals have been pretty awesome so far, but Mixon's out yeah. for at least this week with that uh, knee scope. Meanwhile, for the Panthers, uh, I thought Cam, kind of under the radar, played really well on Sunday, gave gave the Panthers a chance to win that game. I want them to throw the ball to DJ Moore. He showed some juice on that last touch. I want him to get the rock more. Yeah, and Ron Rivera agrees with you because he came out and said this week that they are going to play him more. Want to see evidence of it happen in fantasy, uh, you know, or before we start talking about DJ Moore as a fantasy start, uh, but definitely in those tw- uh, 20-man roster leagues, he sh- he's a guy to put on the end of your bench. Um, he, uh, you know, he was the first receiver drafted in April. Um, he definitely deserves more. Uh, usage. John Brown, Ryan Grant, and T.Y. Hilton have all had pretty good games so far against uh, what you know, normally is a solid Bengal secondary. That bodes well for Devin Funches. Devin Funches, uh, you know, we talked last week about his splits with and without Greg Olson. Greg Olson misses last week. Devin Funches, nine targets, seven catches for 77. Uh, and over Greg Olson's last four missed games, Devin Funches has the 7 for 77, 4 for 16 a touchdown, 5 for 92 and two touchdowns, uh, and 5 for 86. That's He's a, a strong wide receiver to play week in and week out um, with you know that kind of resume without Greg Olson. Christian McCaffrey also benefited from no um, Greg Olson and uh, you know no Deion Jones for the Falcons. And the Cincinnati defense is kind of similar. This is another defense that has given up a ton of running back passing game production um, over the years. Uh, And so far, uh, they have given up um, they've given up a lot of you know it's it's been a defense that is vulnerable to that particular position. And they are without Vontez Perfect, their best linebacker. So. I think it sets up as another high-volume passing game for Christian McCaffrey. Cam Newton, uh, as you mentioned, did play well last week. They didn't; they weren't like ripping long throws in that game, uh, but he was, you know, accurate and he was pretty precise. He completed 32 passes. That was easily a career high. He had never completed 30 passes before in a game in his career. Um, you know, you know, Cam Newton is a fantasy starter every single week. Um, didn't run as much last week, but uh, you know that he had 13 rushing attempts in week one. In week one, and that will come back for sure. Um, on the other side, oh, I just wanted to mention uh, Ian Thomas because he played 94 percent of the Panther snaps last week. Um, he ran 45 pass routes, the second most of all NFL tight ends. Uh, he had a terrible drop of a 17-yard touchdown, and he finished with 10 yards in the game. Um, but that playing time is really strong. Um, and so, you know, he's kind of a shaky streamer, I think, right now. Um, but that's a lot of playing time for him, and he's a talented dude, and he's going to continue to get opportunities because Greg Olson is month-to-month with a retra- refractured foot 
Andy Dalton has been outstanding. Uh, six touchdowns, one interception through two games, 7.3 yards per attempt uh, facing the Colts and the Ravens. Um, and over his last 16 games, Andy Dalton, if you just stretch it back to last season, he has 31 touchdown passes and nine interceptions. So, you know, that's that's top eight fantasy quarterback production. No one drafted him. I mean, I'm in high stakes leagues where he isn't even owned. Um, he's on the waiver wire. I'm trying to get him right now. Um, and I would play him this week over uh, Phillip Rivers uh, at the Rams. Um, Joe Mixon, yeah, he's out with the knee scope. Giovanni Bernard next in line. Um, when Giovanni Bernard has played 40 or more snaps since Bill Lazor took over as the Bengals' offensive coordinator, he's got 16 touches, 30 touches, 17 touches, 17, and 15. So I think it's reasonable to project him in that 17 to 21 touch range. Don't expect to, to, to see very much of Mark Walton or Trey Carson. Trey Carson, more of like a fullback special team uh, type player. And Mark Walton barely made the Bengals' 53-man roster uh, as a fourth-round pick. I think the only reason that they kept him was because they drafted him. Uh, he was inactive for weeks one and two, just did not look good in the preseason at all. Uh, I did kind of like him. Uh, at the U, so we'll, we'll see what happens. But I'm not expecting very much usage from him. And the Panthers' defense has been just smacked um, by the run in each of their first two games. Uh, Cowboys and Falcons com- running backs combined to average 5.5 yards per carry against them. It's a it's a very good matchup for Giovanni Bernard, and he's going to catch passes. You know that AJ Green four touchdowns in his first two games. Uh, as we've talked about a lot over the years, he has these crazy home away splits and he's on the road here and his production has been significantly better in road games for whatever reason. I think that he should work James Bradbury, uh, the Panthers top cornerback, and they are using him to chase number one receivers. Uh, Tyler Eifert did not produce last week, but his playing time went way up 41% of the snaps in week one, 66% in week two, ran 34 routes, his most since week 12 of the 2016 season. Um, Now he's got three extra days to rest because that was a Thursday night game. Facing this Panthers defense does not have Thomas Davis. Uh, Last week coughed up six catches for 69 yards and a touchdown on six targets to uh, the Falcons. Uh, You know, Austin Hooper, not normally a guy who has big fantasy production, Um, I think that Tyler Eifert is a legit fantasy starter this week and for as long as he stays healthy. John Ross's snaps went down last week. If you include the preseason and the regular season, he's been targeted 17 times, only has five catches, uh, just not getting getting enough looks. Tyler Boyd has been more productive than John Ross, uh, and he's also out-snapped him 81% to 62% through two games. you know, neither is particularly exciting, but I mean, if you're deciding between one of those guys, it's Tyler Boyd. We can move on to the next one. Wow. Next game. Um, it's the Giants and that offensive line. Really, really disappointing Sunday night. And the Texans, uh, we knew their offensive line would struggle. Deshaun Watson still was able to put up some numbers. And uh-huh. basically, the Giants' offense consists of throwing the ball to Saquon Barkley every play. 
He's going to break one of these. It's just tough when you throw him the ball at the line of scrimmage and there's four dudes in front of him every time. Oh, yeah. I mean, he looks – yeah, the, well, the Cowboys deserve a lot of credit, I think, on in that Sunday night game for just gang tackling him. I mean, there were always a ton of dudes around him. Uh, they clearly were prepared for that. Like, they were a very well-prepared team on Sunday night. Um, Texans, uh, they, as you mentioned, you know, they have major, major protection issues. And, you know, I had a tweet about this. Um, they have played the Patriots and the Titans. And if you look at the Patriots and Titans pass rush statistics versus their other opponent, you know, every team has obviously played two games. If you look at their pass rush statistics, they have no pass rush, uh, you know, in terms of production uh, in their other game. But then against the, te- the, the, the Texans, their pass rush production is like best in the league. Um, it's a major, major problem. Uh, the offensive line and, and it, it, you combine it with Deshaun Watson because he holds on to the ball. You know, he's a playmaker. He holds on to the ball. And Andrew Luck was definitely, you know, a part of the problem in Indianapolis. Uh, and Deshaun Watson is definitely a part of the problem in uh, Houston. And they're going to have to work that out. But as you mentioned, Deshaun Watson was a quarterback 10 last week in fantasy. Um, the Giants have already given up uh, pretty significant uh, rushing production to quarterbacks. Dak Prescott, 7 for 45 on the ground. Blake Bortles, 6 for 35 on the ground. Deshaun Watson, a better runner than both of those guys. Um, I think he can have a really big game here. And, and the, the real difference maker for him last week was Will Fuller. I also did a tweet about this. Will Fuller's statistics um, in five career games with Deshaun Watson are beyond absurd. Uh, and we're going to see Janoris Jenkins on DeAndre Hopkins in this game. Will Fuller is one of my favorite DFS plays this week. I've got him in a couple of season longs, excited to fire him up. Giants number two cornerback Eli Apple also may be out due to a groin injury. Uh, Will Fuller looks like he can have a monster game here. He, I, I did not use him last week because I did not, I just didn't trust him uh, on that hamstring, but he played 82% of the snaps, eight for 113 and a touchdown. Um, nine targets that's everything that you want to see uh, and they're just they're not getting the ball to anybody else in the passing and even Lamar Miller has not been targeted uh, very much uh, so it's going to be DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller and I love that that narrow distribution of targets that makes the guys more reliable now Janoris Jenkins was good in the Giants first game was not good last week he got dusted on that uh, Tavon Austin 64 yard touchdown to begin the game Cowboys threw at him seven times and gave up completions on all seven plays. Uh, so I think that DeAndre Hopkins can get the better of him this week. Uh, Lamar Miller, a home favorite against the Giants. Uh, the Giants have given up over 130 rushing yards in each of their first two games. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm still concerned that he could get vultured at the goal line by Alfred Blue because he did in uh, the first game. But Lamar Miller has six red zone carries. Alfred Blue only has the one. So that's definitely far from a given. Lamar Miller, solid RB2. Uh, the Texans' defense should really eat in this game. J.J. Watt lining up across from Eric Flowers is maybe the, the biggest mismatch that will take place on any football field uh, across the land 
this weekend. J.J. <laughs> um, Watt has been really, really good uh, so far. I looked at his pro football focus grades. Number, they're number two, three, four defensive end through two weeks behind only Aaron Donald. Uh, so he's got it back. You know, maybe not at his his peak, J.J. Watt, but definitely an elite three, four defensive end who's also going to kick inside. Uh, but I hope they just leave him one on one the whole game with with Eric Flowers because uh, that, that is going to be a, a massacre. Um, can't use Eli Manning. Has been bad in fantasy in each of the first two games, uh, and these these uh, pass protection issues are going to continue to haunt him. I mean, he's got he's, – he's afraid out there, and I really don't blame him. I don't blame him for, you know, being tentative out there and wanting to check the ball down because the Giants, you know, they, they have not put him in position to succeed i don't think he's got a whole lot left himself but uh, the offensive line is, is a major major issue and it really goes beyond that uh, because and brian baldinger did a great job of, sh- of showing this uh this week uh how they're just like their pass protection communication before the snap of the ball is an issue in addition to uh their just simple inability to get people blocked and they lost john halapio uh their center uh, who had played well in the first two games, he's out for the year with a broken fibula. So <laughs> the Giants not catching any breaks, and they won't be on Sunday either. Saquon Barkley, 20 and 25 touches through two games. Uh, outside of the 68-yard touchdown run he had in week one, he's averaging 2.36 yards per carry. That's not his fault. You know, I mean, it's a, an ugly statistic, but we know it's not his fault. Um, he, I think he looks really good. Every, every, he looks like he's about to break a big play almost every time he touches the rock. Um, but the offense is dysfunctional, and hopefully Pat Shermer can get it figured out. Pat Shermer, uh, in, during his time in Minnesota, I thought was one of the best offensive coaches in the NFL, and I think that he, you know, as as we move forward, I do think that he's going to get some things figured out. Um, the Texans' biggest defensive weakness is at outside cornerback. And so that gives us some hope for Odell Beckham here. Odell Beckham uh, has 24 targets through two games. He's caught 15 of them, does not have a gain uh, of 25 or more yards. And that's very rare for Odell Beckham to go that long without a big play. I think he can get one here. Um, Jonathan Joseph is 34 at uh, right cornerback, has given up 8 of 11 targets for 72 yards and a touchdown so far. Um, and they had to move Kareem Jackson from free safety to cornerback last week to outside cornerback. He's uh, in the past been a slot cornerback, uh, but he's now their outside cornerback. Uh, and that is a definite place where uh, Odell Beckham can eat. I mean, Kareem Jackson wasn't even a very good slot corner back in the day. They had moved him to free safety after they signed Aaron Colvin. He definitely should not be playing on the outside, but they have to play him that there because Kevin Johnson is on injured reserve with a concussion. Evan Ingram made it out of last week's game uh, with a productive day, primarily because he scored a garbage time touchdown. Um, he's just he's going to be uneven week to week. You know, he's not the passing game focal point that he was last year. Odell Beckham and Saquon Barkley are going to be one two on this team in targets pretty much every week. Um, so it's going to be like Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard kind of going back and forth, I think, for most of the year uh, as complimentary producer. Sterling Shepard has the worst matchup in 
the Giants pass catcher core against Aaron Colvin. We can move on to the next one. Before we do that, I want to make sure everybody knows there's one place where you guys should be playing daily fantasy. DraftKings, the leader in one-week fantasy sports. Bragging rights and huge cash prizes are available right now. No matter what your skill level is, they have a contest for you. So you don't need to go up against people like Evan. There's different levels you can play at. And there's nothing that makes football on Sunday more exciting than when you get a chance to watch your lineup. You have the app. You check it out. I'm trying to think who I was with recently. They were looking at their app the whole time. Oh, t- uh, Christopher Jackson, one of our Tuckheads. He was on his DraftKings app when we were in Detroit together, checking it out, seeing how he was doing. You can play free with your first deposit to compete for your share of over $2 million dollars in total prizes, just go to DraftKings.com or download the app today. Use code FEAST to enter a contest for free this weekend with your first deposit and compete for your share of over $2 million in total prizes. That's code FEAST only at DraftKings, the game inside the game. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details and see Evan for his thoughts on Titans and the Jags. Evan told you a million times about Keelan Cole, and now everybody knows about him. Now he's a total stud. I saw it when I did that game last year. I knew that dude was good. Yeah, he's really good. I mean, he had, you know, he was fifth in the NFL in receiving yards, or I'm sorry, he led the NFL in receiving yards over the last five games of last season. Um, so, and, you know, last week with the way that the Jaguars played, I mean, they were more aggressive in the passing game, did not have Leonard Fournette, and they played a little bit more spread. You know, they're using Corey Grant. They're using TJ Yeldon. These guys can catch passes. Um, Blake Bortles played maybe the best game of his career. I mean, he was excellent. And Keelan Cole bailed him out a couple times uh, with – acrobatic catches. I mean, Keelan Cole, no doubt, is a baller. And the Titans' right cornerback, Malcolm Butler, he's been getting burned, man. I mean, uh, it was Kenny Stills for a 75-yard touchdown in week one. Uh, And then last week, it was um, Will Fuller uh, just just dusting him. So I, I like that for Keelan Cole as well. Um, you know, again, it's, I mean, I, I think that he is going to be the, the number one, you know, and, and we've talked about that since, uh, Marquise Lee went down. Um, I think that his consistency week to week could be an issue, but you definitely like him more when Leonard Fournette does not play. I'm not sure if Leonard Fournette is going to play this week. I'm not sure how close he was last week. He didn't practice at all. Um, I know that he was calling himself a game time decision, but, um, you know, they've been very, very productive without him averaging. He's missed four games so far in his career. They've averaged 31 and a half points per game. Should they feel the need to rush him back from a hamstring injury when he's a guy that, you know, he is um, very much like a downhill kind of straight line, um, you know, big power back and you're playing through a hamstring injury. That's something to avoid. The, the Jaguars uh, lost Cam Robinson, their stud left tackle, 
to uh, torn ACL. But their backup, Josh Wells, I think, uh, can hold down the fort pretty well. Um, this is a guy that they've been like developing uh, for the past couple years. And um, they signed him to a contract extension. Uh, and uh, they gave him like a, a solid uh, restricted tender uh, when he was up for a restricted free agency. So they, they have liked this dude. I think that they're going to be just fine with Josh Wells. Cam Robinson um, was developing into the, into one of the better left tackle or had a chance to develop into one of the better left tackles in the NFL. But I think that they're going to be all right. Blake Bortles, you know, it's not like super chasing points, I don't think, to like him against the Titans. The Titans don't really rush the passer real well. They're not playing well right now in the secondary. Um, Blake Bortles is on that quarterback one fringe. And, you know, if you have a, a quarterback in, uh, well, especially if Leonard Fournette, if there's no Leonard Fournette, I think that that is the difference maker for Blake Bortles. Um, and obviously he also can run, and that, that raises his floor and his, uh, uh, his ceiling. On the other side, I don't. I I'm not sure what to say because uh, it, it so much comes down to Marcus Mariota. I guess I mean, but Marcus Mariota has played really poorly. Uh, so you know, Corey Davis is getting volume. That's good, but he's also going to be going up against you know the best pass defense in the NFL. Uh, neither Deion Lewis nor Derrick Henry was productive running the ball. Uh, you know, defenses can really key on that. Uh, that that uh, you know ability to run the ball when Blaine Gabbert is in there, um, and the way that the Titans were able to pull out that win was like you know getting pulling out all the stops basically. Um, you know they uh, scored a touchdown on a Taywan Taylor screen, which by the way, can we please get more Taywan Taylor? I mean for for the good of the offense, can we please have more Taywan Taylor and less Tajay Sharp? Um, and then they also scored a touchdown on a, uh, a fake punt. Uh, so not much to like here in, in fantasy. Johnny Smith played a ton last week, but had no production. Uh, that's not surprising with playing Gabber. They, they need Marcus Mario to get healthy. Uh, they need him to start to take a step forward in this new offense. Uh, their, their offense is a real, real problem here. Uh, and the Jaguars defense squarely in play. We can move on to the next one. The next one is the Niners at the Chiefs. Could be a lot of points in this one, Evan. Yeah, I think that uh, Patrick Mahomes might be like the highest owned DFS quarterback in the history of DFS this week. I mean, everyone is going to play him, and for good reason. Ten touchdowns through two games. And last week, you know, he left two touchdowns on the field. He had Sammy Watkins wide open down the left sideline and just overshot him. And that was for a long touchdown bomb and uh, missed Travis Kelsey on a, what would have been a 27 yard touchdown on a wheel route. So there, there is still some meat on the bone, which is ridiculous. This, the athleticism of this offense is unbelievable. Uh, Travis Kelsey, elite athlete, Tyreek Hill, you know, he's the cheetah. Um, Sammy Watkins, very good athlete, almost looks unathletic uh, compared to the other guys in this offense. Chris Conley, they moved into the slot last week. Uh, anybody who pays attention to the combine knows that Chris Conley is like friggin' Spider-Man. I mean, you know, he has like a ridiculous 43-inch vertical, ran, you know, in the four threes at uh, like 6'2", 207. 
Uh, and even on down to their number two tight end, Demetrius Harris, former basketball player, um, DeAnthony Thomas, you know, uh, their the athleticism on this offense is unbelievable. And they're going to continue to rack up points all season long. Uh, they're going to have to because their defense is not very good. We, we, you know, we forecasted this situation pretty much perfectly entering the year, and I, I don't think it's going to change. Um, 49ers cornerback Akello Witherspoon has just been getting dusted, and last week it was Kenny Galladay uh, dusting him. Uh, and they benched him late in the game. And then uh, in his presser this week, Kyle Shanahan was like, I don't know if we're going to be playing Akello this week. Um, teams have not been throwing at Richard Sherman's side at all. Uh, but you know, these Chiefs receivers move around a lot. I mean, so, and Richard Sherman does not. Um, I think that what we saw from Sammy Watkins was good enough for us to use him as a wide receiver three in a good matchup at home against Kansas City. Uh, Florio, Pro Football Talk, made a good point this week that uh, Pat Mahomes is 3-0 and as a starter, but all his games have been on the road. And the Chiefs have one of the uh, biggest home field advantages in the NFL. So that's kind of scary if you think about it. Um, Kareem Hunt, I think, is a buy low right now. There is some concern with his passing game usage. Patrick Mahomes is such an aggressive thrower, and he can run that you know he's not checking down to Kareem Hunt. And that is an issue. Um, but it's but Patrick Mahomes has not been having like big completion totals either. Because every friggin' completion goes for a, a touchdown. Uh, but I think that Kareem Hunt is a guy to target uh, in trades right now because people are probably a little disappointed with him. Uh, the 49ers have played pretty good run defense and they are getting back Reuben Foster difference maker from suspension in week three. So it's not a gimme matchup, but being at home, being favored in what should be a high scoring game, all good things for Kareem hunt. Um, and, you know, again, I think that he's one of the best by lows right now in fantasy football. You know, the deal with Tyreek Hill. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, I think is a tough one here. Uh, I I'm leaning toward playing him though in fantasy uh, the because I think that the matchup is just that good. Um, but going to Arrowhead is always tough. I mean, the Chiefs have allowed over the last three years seven points fewer per game um, at Arrowhead than as opposed to on the road. So, I mean, the home field advantage there is definitely significant. And, um, you know, just because the matchup is great, that doesn't mean, you know, there's no guarantees. But I do like... Uh, the shootout potential of the game. Um, and I do like uh, George Kittle. Uh, I would like to see them get back Marquise Goodwin. He, he really has a big impact on their offense. Dante Pettis got banged up last week. He made a big play early in the game, and then he, he suffered a knee injury and was kind of in and out the rest of the way. Um, they need back Marquise Goodwin. I mean, he's, he's a difference maker in their offense. Matt Breida had uh, – a couple of really big runs last week. Um, and he currently leads the NFL in rushing. Um, I think that he is uh, an RB two slash flex here. He's still not getting as many touches as Alfred Morris. Um, and he's not playing as much as Alfred Morris, but he's got the big play ability. 
Uh, but last week it was Alfred Morris, 16 touches, 47% of the snaps. Matt Breida, 14 touches, 41% of the snaps. Um, I don't think that we're going to see Matt Breida get into the 20-touch range. Wouldn't shock me. I just don't think that we will. Neither of these guys are catching passes, though, and that's a big a re- big reason for that is because the 49ers are using Kyle Juszczyk as their third down back. Matt Breida has never caught passes in college or in the pros. He had a ton of drops last, last year. Alfred Morris has also never caught passes and is not going to be used in the passing game. So that's a concern for those guys' floors. I mean, if the Chiefs light them up, you know, and grab like a 21 to nothing lead early, which seems very conceivable right now, um, those guys are not going to be on the field as much. You know, it's going to be use check out there behind Jimmy Garoppolo. It does look like Eric Berry is going to be back this week, uh, or at least there's been some optimism there. That would be a mild concern for George Kittle's matchup. Uh, George Kittle was a bust last week, really. Uh, he only got four targets. They were going at him a lot early in the game, uh, but you know they kind of took their pedal off their foot off the the pedal and um, kind of leaned on the running game uh, the rest of the way. And no 49er player saw more than four targets for the entirety of the game. Uh, Pierre Garcon does have a good matchup. Uh, I'm just just not, you know, not not really in love with Pierre Garcon as a fantasy play. Um, we can move on to the next one. Next one is Oakland, the Raiders, at the two and O Miami Dolphins. Yeah, uh, Miami is in very good position here to potentially start three and O, because as you mentioned, they're two and O. Now they're at home against the Raiders, who are 0-2 and haven't looked great. They did look much better in their Week 2 game, uh, you know, much more functional as a team in their Week 2 game uh, than they did in Week 1. But, you know, they don't rush the passer. Um, Derek Carr did have a good game last week, and that was promising to see. But, you know, their passing game is still kind of a work in progress. Uh, their run defense has not been good. Um I think that this game sets up really well for Kenyon Drake. And now Kenyon Drake is, he's only the, the leader in a committee with Frank Gore. Last week it was 15 to 10 touches, 15 for Drake, 10 for Gore. Gore played a ton in crunch time. The Dolphins were up in by one score uh, for most of the fourth quarter. And it was a ton of Frank Gore at that time. I thought that that stood out to me. Uh, but Kenyon Drake did have a, a touchdown near the goal line from six yards out. He has four red zone carries. Uh, Frank Gore has two. Uh, and Kenyon Drake has two carries inside the 10. Frank Gore only has one. Uh, but I think that this can be a breakout game for Kenyon Drake. Uh, Raiders have given up 5.8 yards per carry to uh, opposing running backs uh, through two weeks. Um, Ryan Tannehill has just been you know, a, a game manager, and this is how the Dolphins used him. This is how Adam Gase used him in 2016. Uh, he's 9-1 over his last 10 starts, by the way. So this, this formula definitely works when they can you know, put it into execution, but it's not going to help us very much in fantasy. It's a good matchup. You know, It's a good position to be in. I think that he can have a fine game, and I would definitely start him in a two-quarterback league. He's not a terrible streamer, but I don't think you can expect a whole lot of upside from a guy who's you know, getting 22, 28 pass attempts and um, you know, isn't... He isn't really like, you know, an explosive playmaker. Um, 
the receiver core, because of this run first, you know, balanced offense, the receiver core, no one's getting a lot of targets in the receiver core. I mean, Jakeem Grant leads the team through two weeks with targets, and he had seven in the first game and four in the second one. So it's just going to be dart throws. You know, Kenny Stills is a dart throw. Uh, Danny Amendola is going to need games where, you know, it looks like the pass attempts are going to elevate because you know, he can catch a lot of passes, but he's also got to get a lot of targets, and he's not been getting a lot of targets. He's got 10 targets in two games. Um, he does have a good matchup, though. Cooper Cup, 5 for 59 and 1 in week one against the Raiders. Emmanuel Sanders, 4 for 96 on four targets. Perfect uh, efficiency there. Uh, those guys are, are slot receivers for their respective teams. Danny Amendola leads the Dolphins in slot routes with 38. Kenny Stills is second with 21. Uh, so I do think that this game sets up well for Kenny Stills. When we can get Kenny Stills in position where he's going to be getting uh, slot routes against a, a, a bad team in slot coverage, and uh, we can get you know a, him against a team that does not rush the passer so that Ryan Tannehill has time to throw and launch it deep, That those kinds of situations set up well for Kenny Stills. Mike Jasicki has been outsnapped by A.J. Derby in each of the Dolphins' first two games, uh, only has two targets. Uh, they both only have two targets. That's a situation to avoid in fantasy. Uh, Marshawn Lynch has not gotten it going fully, but the usage has been there. Uh, and last week, because the the Raiders were able to have a lead for a lot of that game, he had 20 touches. Uh, Doug Martin had eight touches, 25% of the snaps. Jalen Richard, who uh, capitalized on game flow uh, from the, the you know, negative game flow from week one, um, he was nowhere to be found last week. Two touches, 12% of the snaps. DeAndre Washington could come back this week and make him irre- totally irrelevant. Uh, but you know, this is a game that, uh, if the, the Raiders can keep the game close, Marshawn Lynch is going to uh, be in position to get an, another pretty hev- heavy workload. Dolphins have been really good so far in run defense, though. Held the Titans and the Jets running backs to a combined 3.3 yards per carry. Um, Derek Carr has been the quarterback 27 and the quarterback 21 uh, through two weeks. He played a lot better last week than the previous week. Um the Dolphins have faced the quarterback 29 and the quarterback 23 so far. Just no real reasons to believe that uh, Derek Carr is going to have a big fantasy game this week. Um, I think he's a, a fine quarterback, too. I would rather play Tannehill than, than Derek Carr, uh, one for one. Mari Cooper got it rolling last week, 10 catches for on 10 targets for over 100 yards. Uh, I think he's going to be shadowed by Xavier Howard in this game. And Xavier Howard is a true shutdown corner. I mean, he has been since last, uh, about midway through last season. Uh, so that's a concerning matchup. I think that Amari Cooper um, is a like a fringe wide receiver three play, despite last week's good game. Jordy Nelson, only eight targets through two games, one red zone target. That's not going to get it done. Uh, Jared Cook leads the Raiders in targets and air yards, uh, and he is facing uh, a Dolphins defense that gave up the, uh, that has given up the eighth most yards to tight ends through two games after getting smashed by tight ends all last year. Uh, I think that Jared Cook is a fantasy starter. Uh, we're talking about, like, I think I would start him over Tyler Eifert. I think it's pretty close 
But those are the kind of guys we're looking at, uh, like in the back end of the top 12 tight ends. But Jared Cook belongs in that top 12 uh, conversation. Martavis Bryant came back last week, 40% of the snaps, only ran 14 routes. Uh, I do not expect him to be a fantasy factor. We can move on to the next one. All right. Well, we'll keep it rolling, and we'll go to the Buffalo Bills at the Minnesota Vikings. I've told everybody this is the number one survivor pool play I think I've ever seen in my life is is the (laughs) Vikings at home in this game. I'm not sure we will see a mismatch of this kind of proportion the entire 2018 season. Um, Vikings defense is like a a stone lock in DFS. I mean, I don't think I'm going to play a lineup without using them. And look, they're going to be really highly owned, you know, but I'm just, I'm going to try to beat people with my other decisions. Like I'm putting them in every, uh, on every lineup and hopefully other people will outsmart themselves and play other defenses. Although I do like the Texans this week against the Giants. But I mean, this is, you know, Josh Allen, flashes you know moments where he you know he's a flash player but he does not have control of the football i mean he he can't control where it's going to go uh unfortunately and and that's a big issue he holds the ball too long too i mean he's averaging three point seconds three point six seconds uh to get the ball out and that's just way too long and he took five sacks last week. Uh, and the Vikings, I mean, they should just eat. And it doesn't look like, you know, the Sean McCoy, had, not only does he have fr- fractured rib cartilage, which is actually worse than fractured ribs themselves, uh, he had another accusation recently. So I'm not sure we're going to be seeing him play very much uh, going forward. Marcus Murphy is the guy to pick up in PPR leagues, not Chris Ivory. Marcus Murphy is the guy. Uh, he played ahead of Chris Ivory throughout the preseason in week one. He catches passes. Sean McCoy, I think, had nine catches last week. Um, and Marcus Murphy uh, is a receiving back. He's uh, 5'9", 198. You know, he's a scat back for sure. Uh, but I think he can he can produce. I think he's a really sneaky pickup. Uh, I'm getting him. I'm picking him up in, in our in – our, in, um, both of my high stakes leagues uh and he is going to be a factor in ppr i do not think that chris ivory is going to be a factor pretty much at all behind a terrible offensive line on a team that's going to be playing from behind a lot uh minnesota it's all systems go you know and you can try to talk yourself out of it uh by like oh well you know how many pass attempts is Kirk cousins even gonna need how many times are you gonna even need to throw that's always <laughs> overthinking because you know, this, they, they can just – this is a situation where the offense can impose its will on the team that it is playing. And um, Kirk Cousins has been outstanding through two games. Uh, I mean, I don't think anyone in the – any quarterback in the NFL has made more tight window throws through two games than Kirk, went, than Kirk Cousins has. He's got an unbelievable receiver core. Uh, and they're going up against a, a defense that hasn't been able to stop anyone in any capacity. Uh, and they're going to get short fields. You know, they're going to be in position to score a lot of touchdowns in this game. All those guys are big time, you know, fire the cannons. Um, Adam Thielen in particular, uh, he has more air yards than Stefan Diggs. He has six more targets 
then Stefan Diggs. Buffalo's slot coverage, and Adam Thielen's playing the slot this year. Buffalo's slot coverage is a total disaster. I mean, they opened the season with fourth-round rookie Teron Johnson, small schooler uh, in the slot. He hurt his shoulder. They moved to Philip Gaines last week. Philip Gaines, I mean, you know, people have been making money off Philip Gaines for years. He dislocated his elbow last week. He's going to try to play this week with, with a dislocated elbow. Um, you know, so I commend him for his toughness, but Adam Thielen should have a monster game in this one, as should Stefan Diggs. I mean, the, the, you know, the, they went with uh, Vontae Davis at right cornerback last week. He, he quits at halftime. So they're in real, real trouble, and uh, the Vikings should be able to really pour it on them. I was, was promising to see Kyle Rudolph step up last week, uh, had eight targets, seven catches, um, Bills have given up the seventh most yards to tight ends through two games, uh, even including 55 yards to Virgil Green, a blocker, last week. Uh, they the Vikings they've got to move on from uh, Laquan Treadwell. I mean, lead, again, leads the NFL and drops through two weeks, uh, and they need to get the ball more to Kyle Rudolph. We can move on to the next one. Oh, I, I should mention Dalvin Cook. Keep an eye on the hamstring injury. They were calling it cramps. This is exactly what you want at home uh, favor, you know, massive favor. I mean, they're freaking Vikings are favored by 17. Um, perfect situation for a running back, uh, but definitely keep an eye on the hamstring slash cramps. Move, we can go on to the next one. Next one, Indianapolis Colts. Big win in Washington. They're in Philly to take on Carson Wentz, Jordan Matthews, and the Philadelphia Eagles. Not sure we knew that. <laughs> Both those guys will be playing in the game, but they are. I will be there. What do you got on this one? Yeah, I mean, I will be interested to see. I'm kind of taking it conservatively here with Carson Wentz in his first game back. First of all, this Colts defense, they were awesome in week two. Um, I did not see that that coming, but they, they kind of sneakily have some talent. Marcus Hunt has become a player uh, off the edge and on the interior on their defensive line, Darius Leonard was the ubiquitous Darius Leonard was everywhere in week two. Um, and then in the back, you know, Kenny Moore, really good slot corner, and uh, Malik Hooker. Uh, so they have like some playmakers on, on every level of their defense. And I mean, maybe they'll be better than, than we thought. I don't know. They, you know, they, they weren't good in the first game. Okay, and they were awesome in the second game. So I'm not, you know, drawing any conclusions, but I'm definitely open to being wrong about uh, the Colts' defense. And um, the Eagles are just—they have been decimated by injury. I mean, definitely, and the Falcons are up there too. But I think the Eagles are the most injured team in the NFL. I mean, Jason Peters could barely play last week. Uh, He played, I think, nine snaps. Mike Wallace already out for the year. They haven't had Alshon. They haven't had Carson Wentz. Um, you know, Darren Sproles missed last week. Uh, they, you know, they lost Matt Collins. I mean, Jay Ajayi didn't barely play in the first half. And it doesn't look like he's going to play this week. It really puts Corey Clement in really a really good spot. Uh, it does look like Jason Peters is going to play this week. Uh, but especially if no Darren Sproles... Uh, and, we, and no Jay Ajayi, 
Corey Clement, he played a lot better in the, in the second game than he did in the first game, and he can catch passes. He becomes like a high-end RB2 uh, at home against the Colts. With Carson Wentz, I'm kind of just on the borderline with him. I, I wish that he had a little bit more in terms of weaponry. Um, I, I would lean toward playing him, uh, but you know, I think that he's still on that like in that quarterback 11 to 14 range. Uh, Aguilar is going to have to step up and play a lot uh, outside now. It looks like Jordan Matthews. I mean, Jordan Matthews can only play in the slot, so um, he's going to have to. And if he's going to have to jump right in, I mean, there are other receivers, and they cut uh, they cut one of their oh DeAndre Carter, who played a ton of snaps for them. Uh, their other receivers are Kamar Aiken and Shelton Gibson, so. It should be a lot of Ertz. It should be a lot of Aguilar. I don't like him playing outside as much. You know, it, it does kind of bother me. Uh, but that's the better matchup anyways against the Colts' outside cornerbacks uh, because Kenny Moore has been so good on the interior. Uh, for the Colts, um, Andy Dal- or Andrew Luck still doing the, the, the short pass approach. And, you know, it, it's worked out for them. For the most part, so far, they could have won that first game, but just kind of let it slip away late. Uh, and they went to Washington; they dominated last week. Um, but they are—they are not, uh, and they're not giving up sacks. They've only given up three sacks through two games. Although Andrew Luck has taken 16 hits, that's the fourth most in the league among quarterbacks. Um, and that's you know, it's look, the, the dude is a playmaker, and he'll, he holds on to the ball in the pocket. And he's looking to make plays, and I don't think they're ever going to be able to get that out of him. But they're not testing deep, and um, you know I think that T.Y. Hilton has the best matchup in their pass catcher core. You can beat the Eagles with wide receivers. I mean that was the case all last year, and it's been the case so far this season as well. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Deshaun Jackson, Julio Jones have all produced at or well above expectation so far through two games against Philadelphia. Jalen Mills is a problem. Jalen Mills is, is a liability and uh, I mean he can be beaten and the Colts need to try to get T.Y. Hill matched up on Jalen Mills as much as they possibly can. Um, Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron, you know, it's, it's funny because Jack Doyle is getting way more targets uh, 15 to nine for Eric Ebron, but Eric Ebron has scored two touchdowns, and so he has been a much better fantasy producer. Eagles are good against tight ends; they always have been. They have a lot of athleticism in their linebacker core: Nigel Bradham, Jordan Hicks. But um, you know, I, I think that these guys are, are kind of tough to, to forecast and sort out. Uh, they're both on the tight end one fringe. Um, Ryan Grant, not really looking to play him. Uh, he has caught 10 of his 11 targets, but he isn't getting any big play chances, and he has zero red zone targets. Uh, that oh, We should talk about the RBs. Uh, Christian Michael uh, was the odd man out last week with Marlon Mack coming back. I did not think that Marlon Mack looked healthy. Uh, he was hobbling quite a bit during the game. He finished with, I'm trying to look it up here, what? Something like, oh, 36 yards on 11 touches. Uh, and Jordan Wilkins got 12 touches, but he uh, 
rolled an ankle. Uh, Naheem Hines had a, an eight-yard touchdown run in the second quarter, but he had four other touches, and he lost three combined yards on them. Uh, and then he didn't pl- really play in the second half at all. So this is a situation to avoid. We can move on to the next one. Next one is the last one here for part one. It's the Packers and the Redskins. Yeah, this game has high scoring potential, I think. I mean, um, and I think that that bodes well for Alex Smith as a decent streamer. He did not come through last week. He did have a total over 300 yards, but, you know, you need touchdowns, man. And he, he did not deliver. I do think that the, um, the, the Redskins have the necessary weapons to be able to attack the middle of the field against the Packers. And that's where the Packers are weakest. But with Jordan Reed, Chris Thompson, you know, that's the way that I think you go after Green Bay because they're not particularly good at inside linebacker. Um, and they have some, some shortcomings um, in like in the slot uh, and at safety. Uh, so I think that Jordan Reed and Chris Thompson are the way to attack this uh, defense. Uh, Adrian Peterson was stymied last week by the Colts. Did not expect that at all. Was excited about him, played him a little bit in DFS, uh, and, you know, that did not work out whatsoever. He did have three catches for 30 yards, and that's good to see. I mean, they've, he's got 100 receiving yards through two games. You know, that's that's way above what his, like, Vegas line would have been set, at, which it probably would have been, like, 23.5 receiving yards. He's got 100 through two games. That's good to see. Um, but, you know, it's, I think it's a reminder that he's kind of, Number one, he's going to need really touchdowns to uh, you know to come through for us, uh, and he's also probably going to be pretty inconsistent, um, you know. And when they play from behind, which hey, they could here. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is awesome, and he could come out and grab an early lead. That would be an issue for Adrian Peterson. I think that Chris Thompson is going to be more consistent, and he certainly would benefit when the Redskins fall behind. Josh Doxson. And Paul Richardson, you know, predictably not useful in fantasy. Just drop them. Uh, they might become factors if Jordan Reed and or Chris Thompson get hurt. But that's what's, what it's going to take. Jamison Crowder, eight targets through two games. You know, just a lot of mouths to feed, man, in Washington. And Jamison Crowder's not getting the ball. Uh, and, you know, I think that he's very close to being droppable. I'd probably give him maybe one more a week. Uh, but, you know, certainly can't be using him. Aaron Rodgers, uh, I thought he looked uh, pretty hobbled. I was a little worried about him early in the game, but he got better as the game progressed. Uh, he, I thought he even had some mobility in the pocket. He ran for a first down. Um, so all that stuff was good to see. This is not an easy matchup. Redskins were top six in pass defense DVOA last year. Uh, they can get after the passer a little bit. Uh, they have played well uh, so far uh, in pass defense. So, you know, not, not giving up big fantasy stats. So, you know, no guarantees here for Aaron Rodgers, but it's Aaron Rodgers, and we're going to bet on him, you know, 9.5 times out of 10, and certainly this is one of the 9.5 times. Uh, Devontae Adams had the tough matchup with Xavier Rhodes, overcame it, uh, and Josh Norman does not move around. Uh, so Devonte Adams, they're going to be able to keep him away 
from Josh Norman. Devontae Adams, unsurprisingly, already scoring a ton of touchdowns. He's got one in both of the Packers' first two games. Jimmy Graham came, came alive last week against the Vikings. We mentioned how George Kittle was eating them up in the first game. Uh, Jimmy Graham delivered on that last week, uh, and he had a touchdown overturned on uh, kind of a ticky-tack holding penalty. Uh, but he had 95 yards. Redskins were really bad. They play a lot of zone. Were really bad uh, against tight ends all last year. Uh, and I think this is a good matchup for Jimmy Graham. He's running a ton of routes. I think he looks faster uh, than last year when he. That wouldn't take much because he looked slow last year. Um, Randall Cobb. You know, I think we're kind of back to him being kind of up and down. Um, he is not getting very many air yards. So he's not getting big play chances. Uh, he does not have any red zone targets. So, you know, I think he's just going to be on the wide receiver three-slash-flex three fringe for most of the year. He's going to pop up for some big games. You know, that, that big, big week one game was one of them. Um, and then uh, Geronimo Allison is going to benefit uh, when uh, the, the Packers uh, have tougher matchups for Cobb and Adams. This is not really one of them. And I think that Geronimo Allison ends up facing off with Josh Norman the most on the Packers. That takes care of that. Or no, I'm sorry, Aaron Jones back at running back for the Packers. I uh, The Packers beat writers think that he is going to eat into Ty Montgomery's playing time more so than Jamal Williams. That makes sense because Jamal Williams is one of the best pass protection RBs in the NFL. you got your quarterback dealing with a knee injury. You need Jamal Williams in there. Aaron Jones was not good in pass protection last year. Jamal Williams, you know, he's going to be a 15 to 18 touch per game player. He's going to need touchdowns to pay fantasy dividends. That's what it's going to take. And he doesn't have any through two games. I understand the frustration. He's a low-end RB2 slash flex, and that takes care of that. Good stuff as always, Evan. I love it, and I'm already excited about the late games, the Sunday nighter, the Monday nighter, and I love people that are able to dominate in fantasy football leagues for any different way, right? Might just be listening to Evan, might be stuff I've mentioned before, or it could be Squad QL, the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals this year. Squad QL recommends the best starting lineup for you each week. Based on your starters, bench players, and free agent pool. Here's what's awesome. It pulls in directly your roster, the free agents, your league scoring system, everything. Whether it's Yahoo, like we use for the Fantasy Feast League, or ESPN, CBS leagues, whatever the case might be. Squad QL truly is your go-to app this fantasy football season. Head to squadql.com to download SquadQL, your all-in-one fantasy football manager. Same dudes that created RotoQL, which is the DFS optimizer that people use, 100,000 DFS players use. You can also download RotoQL for free for both Apple and Android. That'll do it for episode one here on the Fantasy Feast Eaton Podcast, the show that's so nice we do it twice. Make sure you are subscribed to this bad boy so you don't miss out on episode number two for the rest of the games with Evan Silva this week. 
Yeah, that's about it. Please rate and review the show. That helps too. I'm stuffed, at least for now. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.